0: Welcome to Ship with CJ. I'm your host CJ, and together we will explore the areas of health, human performance, biohacking, psychology, and much more that will inspire you to become the best version of yourself. Today is a special episode. Why? Because it's live in studio. You know that we do a lot of recordings on online channels, but today I have a special person joining me. And I first got to know her because we had a few mutual friends in a clinic and we've been in touch for quite some time talking about and exchanging a few ideas. And I thought, Hey, why don't I get her on the podcast because she's so knowledgeable just to let you know, she's got a background in clinical nutrition. She is, and you know, she's looked at Chinese medicine, acupuncture, cupping, all of these treatments which make her a naturopathic doctor Dr Faryal welcome to the show thank
1: you CJ it's only my pleasure to be here
0: oh it's the pleasure is all mine how are you doing today
1: i'm great thank you and we had such a cool conversation beforehand so i'm really pumped up with my mint essential oils (laughs) and the lovely herbal tea thank you
0: yeah before you sorry guys we couldn't make you a part of it we just started talking and you know one thing led to the other and then we realized hey let's talk about this on the podcast why not so tell me Dr Faryal did you always want to be a doctor
1: I always wanted to work in the health field and I knew that I was working towards, yes, being a doctor or something in the medical field. But then my trajectory changed when I started realizing around me that family members, loved ones were getting sick and we're getting chronic diseases, you know, the typical diabetes, heart disease, arthritis, and so on. And when they were being placed on their medications, it just didn't seem to click for me why those medications weren't completely resolving their issues. In fact, the opposite was happening. They were getting sicker and sicker because of side effects, or the dosages of these medications were just constantly increasing. And um, that was always a question for me, that, you know, if these drugs are working amazingly, then how come they are not resolving their issues? And don't get me wrong, I think conventional medicine is amazing. It has a wonderful place in society. We certainly have had so many advances in all these drug technologies and surgical procedures, and I do appreciate that. So like, God forbid, if you walk out this <laughs> door and you get hit by a car, like, don't come see me, you know, yeah. that, that's where they really shine. But I think with chronic disease, it was a little bit of a question to say, well, what's happening here? And then I did some studying in, in different types of natural approaches and then I met a naturopathic doctor, and he completely blew me away. And so then I never looked back.
0: Okay, that's interesting. yeah, it's it's high, it's important to highlight that you know your traditional doctor and you know traditional medicine is is really great in doing a lot of things. But like when we look at global data, especially in the last thirty years, it doesn't look like it's helping a lot because most of it is like a disease care mm-hmm. model rather than a healthcare care model where your average doctor um, depending on which country you're in might have 15 to 20 minutes or less to talk to you and in 15 to 20 minutes if you're suffering from um, you know chronic pain uh, or any kind of like diabetes or some sort of like other things that bring a certain mm-hmm. amount of concern It's not in, I personally feel it's not enough to sort of understand, what do you think?
1: Well, I totally agree with you. And again, I think it's not their fault. It's just the training and it's the philosophy, which is largely Mm symptom-based. So, you know, the philosophy is you have a headache, take a pill, get rid of the headache. You've got a stomach pain or or diarrhea, take something to stop the diarrhea. You have a fever, stop the fever. This is the philosophy, which is completely the opposite in naturopathic medicine, where what we believe is you have to look at root cause. Why are you getting the headache? Why are you having this diarrhea or whatever is happening and we treat the root. And so the other distinguishing factor also is that, you know, to take chemicals constantly to fix, you know, the every pill for every ill for fixing problem A you're going to end up probably with issues and new issues, maybe even with the side effects. And so you're exchanging problem A for problem B, C, D, right? So that's one thing. The other thing too, is that um, unfortunately, conventional medicine, really all they have to offer you is drugs or surgery. Outside of that, in my experience, most of my patients, and I've been in practice for 17 years in different countries, I've been really blessed with that. I haven't found many patients who've come to me where they know that their GPs have spoken to them about the importance of using food as medicine, about lifestyle medicine, about using the inner, you know, we have this inner vitality, this inner force that we can appeal to to actually heal ourselves because the power that made the body, that keeps the body alive, is also the power that will heal you, but you've got to give your body the right support and the right nutrients. And so when you take drugs, unfortunately, although it may fix the issue temporarily, mm-hmm. we don't believe as naturopathic doctors that you should ever stop or suppress something that the body naturally is trying to fix. So to give you an example, if I've got a patient who says, you know, I have this upset stomach and I'm having this really bad diarrhea, well, maybe the body is trying to get rid of something that's irritating it. So let's rather support that. And help you along, as opposed to stopping the process and keeping that irritating, offending bug or agent in the body. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I think modern medicine, or you know, one of those classic takeaways for people, is that we have this reductionist approach to things, and we always think, oh, okay, this uh, there is a diarrhea, and it should the only thing that can happen is my stomach is not feeling great, and let me fix the problem. It's more like you mentioned putting the Mm band-aid, but not like addressing the wound by itself. And uh, yeah, something also super interesting that you brought up was that, you know, our bodies by itself has this, uh, you know, intelligence, let's call it, Mm -hmm. so that we could call it like chi, or we could call it prana, or we can call it life force or jing. But all of these things equate to, and for the people who don't believe in this, then, you know, think of it as intelligence because, you know, you're, you're having and i hope you're not but you're having a piece of bread or some fruit or something else and it turns into you over a Mm -hmm. period of time right Mm -hmm. sometimes it takes a day sometimes it takes three days right but that there is something beyond um, your capacity to understand that's um, making your brain function it's making because you're not doing it it's happening by itself so there is uh, this innate intelligence uh, which i like to call for some people and it's happening in you every second. So the moment you start getting, and there might be some ways to explore this, but the moment you start getting in touch with your innate intelligence and you give it a chance, miracles happen for sure. And this is why some people, um, you know, in the villages, in the mountains um some old uh, communities uh, blue zones they're they're not really like you know on a lot of medicine and they just are resilient enough to say okay let it happen it's just nature's way of fixing things living to
1: like a ripe old age of over 100 and still doing their own gardening their own cooking you know very independent very self-sufficient happy right so that's the thing you know and i've heard you speak on your podcast which i completely agree with is that there's no point to us prolonging life into our nineties, eighties and nineties. If the quality of life is not there, like you want to be there to play with your grandkids or to go traveling or to do all of those things, you know, that you'd like to do when you've got the time, right? So health span is more important than lifespan. Mm-hmm. Right? We want to extend yeah. health span.
0: And this is for all those biohackers who are probably calorie restricting and you know, you're spending half of your days in the sauna, the rest half in cold pools trying to increase your <laughs> longevity. But guys, if you're wasting time doing all of yeah. those things you're not in touch with life. And that's, I think, what you're trying it to It is say.
1: what I'm saying, because there has to be a balance. <laughs> yeah. you, you've got to have a balance. I mean, I totally am in line with all these therapies. You yeah. know, I think it's great. But I think you have to have a balance and you have to enjoy life in the present moment mm-hmm. as well. Um, so that's the key. So, you know, I think with the society we're living in, especially these days with everything that's happened over the last couple of years and all this bombardment of these digital technologies, which can serve us. But unfortunately, CJ, a lot of us have become slaves to this technology, right? So I'm sure you and even our listeners have experienced going and sitting in a restaurant, hoping to have a nice quality time with your loved one. And you see a whole family of people. Nobody's talking. They're all on their cell phones. And it just I just wish I could walk up to them and say, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. You know, stuff like this, yeah. right? So you've got to live in the present moment and also appreciate that the constant you know, frequencies you're getting from these devices is also affecting our health. But we are unfortunately also more of a reactive society than a proactive one. Um, Many of my patients come and see me after they've had an event that's made them have a wake-up call and they're like, oops, I need Mm -hmm. to do something about it now. But had they listened to this little whispers that the body was sending them, the messages, because the body, as you said, so intelligent, so much wisdom and it's our ally it's our friend it wants us not just to survive it wants us to thrive mm-hmm. but we ignore the signals cuz we're too busy doing this making money trying to advance our careers what have you and then before you know it you have a a, bi- a major event and now you want to throw everything at it
0: now you're looking for the doctor doctor furyal yeah. help me
1: <laughs> yeah and so you know we need to be more proactive is what i'd like to encourage people is to you know even if you think you're pretty healthy every so often just do a little self check mm-hmm keep yourself that way, you know, do what you need to do, like you said, to improve your longevity, but also just your mental, emotional health and happiness, right?
0: I think you brought up two very important points. One is, and I would like to ask two different questions. So the first one is um, being present in the moment, right? How many people on an average that you see or have seen over the past 17 years? And I, I mean, Let's let's talk about the last five years because uh, the last twelve years, the digitization of right. things wasn't so much. Right. So let's say in the last five years, how many people that you see are so disconnected from the moment, or like, do you find people more like not being present or being present? Like, what's a real world statistics for you? You know what? So
1: I don't have stats for you, but I do. It's a spectrum. Yeah. It's a spectrum of people. So I have uh, in the recent years, I'm seeing more and more people who are being more proactive, who are very self aware who want to have, they understand the idea of, you know, I'm healthy now, but I need to be healthy 10 years from now. So what I do today is going to impact that because we also have this huge field of epigenetics, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure, you know, you know a lot about. And we know that just because you have this destiny, perhaps from family history of medical issues, it doesn't mean that you are destined. Mm to get those. And so we know that lifestyle, nutrition, certain kinds of medicines, natural medicines will help to change that trajectory. And I have a lot of patients who are doing this with me with the DNA testing, where we can see, you know, what are their susceptibilities? What are their weaknesses for developing certain diseases? And how can we move them away from that path? So Mm -hmm. that's great. I like working with people like that. Then I have the other end of the spectrum, which I've already told you, which is they're completely like breaking and falling apart. And now they want this heroic, you know, approach. And it's like, Dude, you need to make sure that, you know, you're listening to your body as you're starting to have issues. That's the best way. Um, And then I have people in between, you know, and it's funny when, when, when people have children, their perspective changes. Mm -hmm. So then it becomes, everything's about the child, not so much about them, but, and I think it shouldn't be like that. I don't think that it's selfish to always make sure you're doing well first, Mm -hmm. that self care, because if your cup is empty and you're burnt out and you're shouting and screaming at the kids and you're irritable all the time how is that helping mm-hmm. your family you know and so i sure. see this quite a bit too so there's there's all kinds i think i would say but i think more and more slowly now we're starting to see you know people st- realizing that they've got to look at their health mm-hmm. picture from now
0: okay interesting and also um tell me if i'm wrong most of the times are women the first ones like okay so mm. let's be compare between we shouldn't be comparing anyone but like just for the sake of this conversation you've got a group of women and you've got a group of men the group of women chances are they will reach out for help much earlier than the men because yeah. the men would naturally even if their body is giving them a lot of like these signs they would keep ignoring it yeah. until their wife says you need to go to you the to a go. hospital yeah. or a doctor so do do you is that like a real yeah that still happens that that still still happens
1: i mean i'm not saying that it's for every case of course we have men who come in themselves and realize you know and they're they're very um
0: their their wives
1: (laughs) or their girlfriends haven't sent them but um generally speaking yeah it's it's a for sure more women than men that i see yes
0: now um tell me something what is one of the i personally feel that one of the things that is increasing like we spoke about frequencies or and by the way that's why we are uh, Yes. we have our feet on the grounding mat which you guys can't see and we have two emf mitigators and neutralizers around the house so we're hopefully we're not getting bombarded with Mm -hmm. so much Mm -hmm. dirty electricity but um a lot of the times most of the world, when we look at like all the kind of complaints, people are uh, talking about there's mental health, but there is a huge percentage of the population. And this happens while we age that complain for pain. And how many patients do you see have like this, uh, you know, low level pain going on? Or do you see that a lot of people in your practice, yeah. like look at pain?
1: I almost want to say hundred percent Okay. because when you're not well, First of all, your perception and experience of pain is amplified Mm -hmm. and I'll get into that a little bit more, but also a lot of inflammatory conditions, which are most chronic diseases have some pain element to them. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right. You know, pain right now is a, a global crisis actually. So if we were to look at some of the statistics, I think I was reading a paper the other day that said that in the United States, for example, there are more people filling prescriptions for pain medications than there are for diabetes on um, for some of the other chronic disease, right? Mm-hmm. Which really makes you think, wow. So part of the issue is also that some people uh, don't want to feel the pain. <laughs> they want to numb the pain completely. They don't want to have that experience. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that I think needs a little bit of education because when your body is sending you a pain signal, sometimes sitting with that pain and understanding what it is and where it's coming from is, is a gift, Constantly numbing something that's uncomfortable, you know, again, disconnects you Mm -hmm. from yourself and from your environment. So I'm certainly not suggesting that people who are in pain should stay in pain. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that I've had the experience where a little bit of a niggling pain, a little bit of a headache, and right away they reach for you know, some sort of analgesic or Mm -hmm. chemical painkiller. And it's kind of, I feel as though it's like, why don't you give it a little bit of thought to understand where is it coming from? Mm -hmm. Can you do something else that doesn't involve a chemical Mm -hmm. to decrease that pain?
0: And for this, how many percentage of the people that you think are willing to step into? Because, uh, you know, I completely agree with you. It's it's a very good point that people should understand (laughs) where that pain is coming from. What is that pain trying to teach you or trying to guide you? But I believe there we require a certain element of awareness within ourselves, whether it is awareness that we already have and have developed it towards, you know, from intuition or listening or just being quiet or in silence, or this sort of awareness that can be developed by a curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, how many people do you think want to step into that element of awareness? Or, because what I see is people like you mentioned uh, you know, just give me a pill and, you know, let's just fix it right now. I've got errands to run, I've got a business to run or bills to pay or like my clients are waiting for me and I don't have time for all of that. And uh, if a lot of people also tell me that if I did all of that, it's going to take such a long Mm -hmm. time, but, you know, might as well do something that fixes the situation right now. And I also feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, that many people who go towards you know these pain medications or you know there was a crisis like in the united states where people are prescribing opioid dependent mm-hmm. medications which nearly destroyed half the country but absolutely uh, none of them or like even i would say like maybe 10% to 15% of them are aware of what comes next because for them they're just looking at like a focus issue like okay my pain goes away in the next two hours but they don't know taking that over a period of time what happens in the next five years seven years ten years
1: yeah I think you could probably answer that question I mean how many people do you think are looking at that quick fix probably a huge person everybody (laughs) right I mean and I'm not going to pretend that I'm not in that category there are moments where especially if I'm I've got a really busy day or I've got a lot of things to do or I travel quite a bit and I need to be you know Mm-hmm. top shape, let's say, just in terms of my mental, emotional, and physical health. And if I'm having uh, a headache or I'm having some funny thing that's preventing me from you know, being able to perform at my best, I probably will also reach for a mild painkiller in that moment. Mm-hmm. But then there's a bunch of other things that I do around that as well. Okay, like you said, we're not thinking about the next few hours, the next few days, next few weeks. Um, having said that, though, that if you're getting what I want to, um, I guess, just emphasize is if, if, if you are experiencing certain type of pain regularly, it's, it, that's a moment for you to say, okay, hold on. The body's trying to send me some kind of message. There's something deeper going on here. Let's see what this is. Where is this coming from? Instead of constantly taking a painkiller, uh, because those painkillers will start to obviously build up a toxicity in your mm-hmm. system. The poor liver has to keep on you know, metabolizing and processing this stuff and then as we said at the top of the segment you've got side effects that come from chemicals right and also what happens is you build up a dependence. so you brought up a really good point about the opioid, you know epidemic which is so sad because um i think in those societies they don't really know how to fix it and people are more crippled now Mm -hmm. than they were before the problem started because they were relying on these opioids and now they can't have access you know what I'm saying? So it's very difficult because when you're in pain, it impacts your whole life. It's so debilitating. Mm-hmm. Mentally, emotionally, it changes the person. I mean, here and there, I get migraines myself. I know why I get them. And That's what I mean by staying in the pain and trying to understand where is this coming from. So if I can share for me, it's either because I'm not well hydrated. Mm-hmm. It's either because I've spent too much time in the sun. So I've got this funny love-hate relationship with the sun like I love it but I can't be out there too long or I haven't eaten on time or I've eaten something that is bad for me that's inflammatory or I'm stressed there's something Mm. that's bothering me Mm. and my body tells me by giving me a headache Mm. so what do I do well address where it's coming from Mm. that's what I do so haven't if it's dehydration what would make sense like Mm. let's go drink some more water let's Mm. take some electrolytes you know all of these kind of things Um, So, so when you know that about yourself, then you can be more proactive to ensure that you don't end up in that situation. Mm -hmm. Because when I get a migraine, it is not pretty. Mm -hmm. I I am not a happy person, you know, it completely changes my mood. Mm And um, and I don't want to be like that. Nobody yeah. wants to be like that. You know what I mean? You can't be there for your family uh, because you're so focused on your pain,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? But there's a lot of chronic diseases like diabetes, for example. If it's not well managed, I mean, how many people have you heard of that have had to have amputations? Mm-hmm. You know, because they have this neuropathic pain and they can't feel things anymore. Their sensation has gone. And so they start to basically develop you know, this dead tissue, and it's going to affect the body if it becomes gangrenous. And so Mm -hmm. they have to get amputated. That's really unfortunate, because there's so much you could do beforehand. You know what I mean? If you have a low thyroid function, for example, or an autoimmune condition of any kind, we have these receptors, Mm -hmm. you know, we have pain receptors all over Mm -hmm. our body, they're called nociceptors. Mm -hmm. So this concept of nociception, which is about Perception and experience of pain. That nociception or those nociceptors are so sensitive when you have any type of uh, autoimmune condition or um, an endocrine issue or cancer mm-hmm. or, you know, these types of things. Mm-hmm. So, in a healthy person, that stimulus may not cause pain, but mm-hmm. in someone who's sick, any little stimulus, mm-hmm. the pain is amplified. And I mean, I don't like the term fibromyalgia because I think it's not really. It's not a diagnosis. It just describes the issue, which is pain in the, mm-hmm. in, the in the fibrous muscle, tissue of muscles, right? Um, but these these are the types of individuals who are so sensitive that even just touching, like a light touch, they can't handle.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we we've spoken so much about pain, but I wanted to take a step back and first, like, tell the audience what, why do people people feel? What's the biology of pain? Like, why do people feel pain? Now we know there is a pain that is. The kind of one that I go after my jiu-jitsu class which might be an acute pain and inflammation Mm -hmm. and then there's something that you know sometimes people get over months or years so what's the how do you see pain like in terms of like classification is does someone uh, you know if someone's having a pain for a week or two is that something serious or Mm -hmm. you like fall down and you get Mm -hmm. hurt while skateboarding right Uh, is that different sure
1: yeah so first what i 'd like to say is i, I don 't look at pain as this absolutely horrible enemy. you know I think mm-hmm. that our when the reason we have these receptors on our body is actually to help us to, to survive mm-hmm. and to um, keep us like almost protect us from further discomfort and further pain. Does it make sense yes. what i 'm saying so we have these Uh, you know, receptors to be able to alert us to say, this thing is not so good for you. Mm -hmm. So like, don't do that or don't do it so much. And it's information. And that's what I mean by saying, stay in the pain for a moment and understand, like, what Mm -hmm. is the communication? So obviously we know that if you put your hand on a hot stove and you're going to feel that, Mm -hmm. you know, if your body didn't like you, it would be like, okay, get burnt. You know what I'm saying? But right away you'll move your hand. Um, The other thing is that, as you rightly said, you've got the acute pain, which is where from a little injury or you stub your toe or you cut your finger or, you know, you're playing sports and you sprain an ankle or hurt yourself, that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. And we have this built in inflammatory mechanism that sends all these inflammatory molecules, which in the moment amplify the pain because there's lots of swelling. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of redness. There's a lot of heat in that area, but that's how the body's trying to heal itself you know however if you start to get pain and it is persisting over time and it becomes what we call chronic Mm -hmm. then you need to start looking at well where is this coming from is it coming from some imbalance in your physiology in your biochemistry some condition that you already have that's not being managed well you know and so there's several possibilities around that and then let's not forget there's also emotional pain Mm -hmm. there's there's mental emotional pain right so emotional pain from trauma from grief I mean I wrote an article a long time ago called the broken heart it's Mm -hmm. about the called the broken heart syndrome and it literally looked at how um, people and especially women that that shape of the heart actually changes when they feel that something has happened where they have a broken heart interesting isn't that interesting so it actually physiologically changes blood flow Mm -hmm. and cardiac function Mm -hmm. Um, and you will have heard many times people have said oh my god I think this poor person died of a broken heart Mm -hmm. but it's actually a true phenomenon
0: wow yeah I I didn't know that thank you Mm. for sharing that and that's very powerful because you know most of the times we um, most of the times for most people I would say we always park the emotions aside and we look at the next best thing whether it's escapism a lot of people would find comfort in alcohol Mm -hmm. or dependencies or you know tobacco or what have you And that emotion keeps on, uh, you know, it's parked away and then you see it again and then you escape again as a means of not feeling the pain or going through the journey of understanding it. And over a period of time, what happens is uh, that emotion keeps on building up. Many times I have heard stories because I'm not a doctor, so I've only heard stories and I've read some papers um, that later in life, after 40 or 50, people get, you know, problems with their kidneys or gallbladder functioning or you know with their liver and if a lot of the modern medicine sort of doesn't work and you look at you know you get go to a psychologist or try some EFT or you know try something to deal with those Mm -hmm. emotions go back in time address them and even addressing them it's so powerful that you know you you start becoming better right because the body keeps a record you might not do it but you know subconsciously in your in your cells in mm-hmm. your tissues and we were speaking about the Chinese uh, Chinese medical system yes. about this the traditional Chinese medical system it also allocates certain emotions to certain
1: uh, organs.
0: organs and yeah it's so interesting that you know we can even now with all the modern medical equipment we can see that for example the heart is changing its shape. Yeah, Uh, yeah, it's it's really fascinating to me. Also, like for anyone who's listening, it's also something to sort of meditate on, or if you don't meditate, just think about that: Are you really parking your emotions for experiencing it in the long term? And I also think these emotions are sort of like uh, you know, if you're if you're let's say swimming, for example, and if I give you a bag of like heavy stones or something attached to you. Chances are you'll find it difficult to like, you know, rise up because it pulls you down Mm -hmm. and emotions are just like that. If you build them up, they become heavy in the body and they don't let you either like, you know, float because you always, you don't want to be in the water. You want to be above the water and like move ahead. Right. And that pace, intensity everything slows down because you've got a lot of baggage that's well and you get
1: stuck. stuck it's what we call stagnation in Chinese medicine which is a great point that you mentioned because from the Chinese medicine which is very different from the western medical model the idea of pain comes from blockages so we have these meridians through our bodies right and um, I usually liken them to like a river flowing Mm. when that river has a beautiful ecosystem the water is clean you've got like nice little waterfalls and beautiful fish and everybody you know the plant uh, is plants are doing well and that water is just nicely flowing and it's crystal clear and it looks really healthy however what would happen if all of a sudden I threw a huge big boulder in the middle of the river Or all of a sudden, you know, there was some kind of avalanche and landslide or something like that. You're going to get that blockage. The water will not be able to flow anymore. And so that river becomes basically, it's stagnated, it's stopped. Mm -hmm. So pain from a Chinese medicine perspective comes from blockages in these meridians. Mm -hmm. And so when I use acupuncture, it's to dispel the blockage to be able to basically get that flow of what we call the qi, the vital force, the qi. Flowing again in that meridian. And so, oftentimes, you know, if someone were to come in again, let's say with headaches, and I'm trying to understand where the headaches are coming from, I may put some needles around the points around the head, but often I will also put needles in the liver points mm-hmm. because the liver is linked to some of this inflammatory stuff that's happening regarding pain, right? So that's uh, really fascinating because when you look at pain as blockages and being stuck and stagnated, what you want is what you said. We want to unblock yeah. <clears throat> and move forward. And in Chinese medicine, even scar formation mm-hmm. from, let's say, surgeries mm-hmm. will block a meridian, you know, for example. So an interesting thing too is because we have meridians right in the mid, mm-hmm. mid um, section of, of our bodies running right through you know, the middle of our our torso into the belly button, you should never pierce your belly button.
0: That's a good tip to have From a
1: Chinese point of view. Like I'm not saying that you should or shouldn't, as in I'm not trying to tell people what to do, but I'm saying from a Chinese medicine point of view, when you you do um, have, you know, a piercing in the belly button, you've basically blocked the energy right there Mm -hmm. in that region, in that meridian, Mm -hmm. right? So things like that. So it's very, very fascinating because you can use acupuncture is one of the best ways to actually work with pain and pain relief Mm -hmm. and I'd use it all the time I mean it's probably 80% of my practice even for things related to you know mental health anxiety depression sleep issues digestive disturbances hormonal imbalances I use acupuncture quite a bit and cupping
0: I have a question what's the difference between acupuncture and I know acupuncture uses the needles and you know like Mm -hmm. the needles and acupressure because this is something that uh, many people get confused around
1: So acupressure is usually, I would say, used for people who have a fear of needles. Mm -hmm. And so we just help them by teaching them the points on the meridians that have the highest, what we call energy. They're almost like a vortex Mm -hmm. of energy. That's why those points have been identified. And so you just use your fingers and you press into those points um, for a few seconds at a time that's acupressure Mm -hmm. acupuncture is exactly what the word says it's uh, puncturing with using very 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 fine needles Mm -hmm. into those points and it's just a bit more effective because you're going right into the meridian and Mm -hmm. some meridians are a little bit deeper Mm -hmm. than others um and and you can really like the the person will feel something happening you can feel a sensation going up and down i've had people report to me they have waves of heat or energy they feel like they're levitating off the table like it's it's amazing yeah yeah. So it just depends. Each yeah. experience is different depending on what we're treating. But what's beautiful about acupuncture is that ideally you're getting it done from somebody who knows what they're doing. And uh-huh. so it should not be painful because I've been asked that question often. Yeah. You know, people are really curious, very interested, but they're so scared because again, they don't want to feel the pain.
0: Yeah.
1: However, feeling the pain, you know, it's, it's not so much a pain. It's a little bit of a discomfort. It's a little sensation mm. that tells you something's moving. That's what we want. Mm-hmm. You know what i'm saying it's yeah. it's not a situation where you have to completely block the pain mm-hmm. you actually want the pain to move because it's a blockage that mm-hmm. you're trying to dispel or unblock and so if a person uh, the the, the um, acupuncturist or the doctor that's doing it does it well you shouldn't feel pain and the best thing because it activates your parasympathetic nervous system mm-hmm. is the patients i i can have a patient on the table with 20 needles and they are sleeping and that's the only time the healing actually happens. So it really amplifies the healing when they're in the parasympathetic state. Mm-hmm. And that's what I find personally to be the most amazing thing about acupuncture is that though it may sound counterintuitive when you think about some a, a person looking like a pincushion, let's say, yeah. but it actually really activates the parasympathetic tone in the body. And you know that most healing only happens in that state.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so uh, again, very interesting point. Um, a lot of people who are listening to this, now you can get over your fears because most of the times I would agree if someone thinks about acupuncture, they would think, nah, I'm not going to do that. They just, what if the needle goes in the wrong place or, you know, there right. are all these concerns. Right. But uh, I remember I once I was in San Francisco and um, I was having a bad jet lag and I was having a lot of back pain and I went, uh, me and my brother, we were driving through Chinatown and we're looking at all we're taking pictures and you know the first thing i did i was like man can you stop because i see like an acupuncture Mm -hmm. acupuncturist yeah the first thing i wanted to do without even going to like a medical store and look for you know something that would help me with these symptoms i first went to the guy and you know thank god for me he spoke in english so i was just like this is buddy here's what i'm facing." right and surprisingly i can totally relate to what you're talking about the parasympathetic nervous system because he was in a 15 minute or a 20 minute session, right. As I left that place, like I was so relaxed mm-hmm. in a way. I was just like, man, I don't want to do anything. Let's just go, go back to our hotel and let's just sit. Yeah. Really like driving, my nervous yeah. system was completely <laughs> reset it. Yeah. So that's a really good thing. If you guys want to try um, acupuncture, um you know it's not painful and you essentially you won't get hyper you get relaxed right Uh, one of the ways that i try to i don't do acupuncture regularly but what i try to do is acupressure Mm -hmm. so um you cannot see it from here but maybe later i'll show it to you i've got these um slippers which have these different kind of stones which i stand on and they're related to the foot uh, refreshology reflex- and yeah. all of those points. Yeah. I even have like a small mattress, which has these small nails on top that oh, cool. I try to lie down five to 10 minutes great. before I go to sleep. Yes. Also to facilitate the parasympathetic Perfect. nervous system. Perfect. Um, I'm looking now to acquire a sadhu board with uh, all those needles popping in. Mm. So I can stand on that. I've heard great things about that as well.
1: When you get that, let me know.
0: Uh, sure. We can do a <laughs> session together. Yes. Yeah. So, Okay, so we've, we've spoken about pain. We You spoke about some things about mental health. But what do you think do women, uh, when you when you have women and men, do women uh, find it, are they more resilient? Do they feel less pain or do they feel more pain? Or do men feel less pain? Well, listen,
1: they? CJ, we're all here because women felt a lot of pain so that we could be here.
0: <laughs> I agree <laughs> to that.
1: Right? So I would say that probably naturally. I mean, jokes aside. Yeah. Um, the threshold probably is, I think, higher in terms of yeah. pain tolerance. Uh, having said that, you know, certainly women, because we have a different physiology, the female physiology with the menstrual cycle mm-hmm. is a whole other set of pain symptoms that come with that which I treat also quite often and you know when you've got these hormonal imbalances so for example if you've got fibroids or really bad PMS Mm -hmm. or you have you know what's called PMDD which is Mm -hmm. more of a dysphoria with related to your PMS so the anger the irritability is very heightened Mm -hmm. in some women and then you can have just really terrible period pain, right? We've, I've experienced women who tell me that they can't even go to work or get out of bed to go to school uh, when, on their first day or second day of their period because there's so much bleeding and they're in so much pain from the menstrual cramps and they can't survive without taking these heavy-duty painkillers. Yeah. So it's another area that we deal with res- when we talk about women's health just because the physiology is different. And if you have breast issues, breast pain, and so on, Um, And so, yes, that's a concern because, uh, you know, generally speaking, which I wanted to point out is sometimes because we have so many mineral vitamin and mineral deficiencies, right? uh, The quality of the foods we're eating are also not... Um, high mm-hmm. in the sense that the the you know the the quality of the soil
0: yeah the topsoil is depleting is this depleting is a exactly issue. big issue yeah
1: and then we have this whole advent of you know factory farming and um, GMOs and all these things right and these things do contribute to this inflammatory response mm-hmm. that I spoke to you about so I would go as far as saying that all of us have inflammation all of us it's just the degree to which one person is in so more it's on inflamed. The spectrum. I would say so, because you could have this low-level inflammation, mm-hmm. which is like having a, just a bit of a smoldering fire, if you think yeah. of your body like a house. Or you could have like a full blazing fire, you know, mm-hmm. and that creates all kinds of other... Mm-hmm. other symptoms and issues going on in the body so we all have a low level of inflammation just because of what we've surrounded ourselves with mm-hmm. you know the wi-fi 5g technologies the not being able to we're living in the most sleep deprived
0: sleep deficiency, yeah. you know
1: times yeah. of our of our existence and um, then we have all these in other stresses between you know um, the the virus that we all know yeah. about and you know whatever
0: that, sh- that should not be named <laughs> <laughs>
1: And all these other things that we're dealing with in terms of immune function and comorbidities and so on. Um, And and then I would say, you know, just in terms of our food intake, like we are living in societies also where food is at our fingertips. Like you just Mm -hmm. click a few buttons and your food literally walks to you, which is not how our ancestors lived, right? They ate what they grew and what they grew was organic
0: and which was seasonal
1: and seasonal and they ate with the seasons and they ate with the climates and, you know, they, they, ate their food in a more mindful way, I would say. We Mm -hmm. weren't sitting in front of TVs and on our phones, and this makes a huge difference because as you know, with your gut health, if you're not properly digesting foods and you're not assimilating the nutrients, you're not going to be able to create the, the brain chemicals and the stress hormones to help you to stay resilient, which will also decrease inflammation. Like it's all connected, mm-hmm. right? So I would say to you, you know, um, with women, when we talk about deficiencies, iron deficiency is a big one. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense because when you have a menstrual period every month, you're losing a lot of iron. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, iron also creates pain sensations. So I've had people come in who have chest pain, who have headaches, um, and we finally realize it's because they're so iron deficient. And the moment you correct that nutrient, the pain goes away right so these things need to be looked at we're all magnesium deficient magnesium is huge when it comes to helping especially uh, women with their menstrual pain Mm -hmm. so i prescribe that all the time Mm -hmm. you know uh, generally but then during the time of the cycle you should up your magnesium um, and it's also beautiful because it relaxes the central nervous system it's anti-spasmodic it helps you with regular bowel movements which is another issue because i've had so many people i can't tell you how many people come in and i say to them hey so tell me about your bowel habits you know how many bowel movements and they're like yeah it's regular i go like twice a week
0: wow okay
1: (laughs) that's regular that's normal for them that's how it's always been
0: have magnesium not only that (laughs) but there's
1: other issues because that means their their body's not getting rid of toxins that's for me that's the main thing Mm -hmm. if you're not clearing the stuff that's in your system that's not supposed to be there where is it all going
0: yeah
1: it's the toxic buildup is what is my concern. So usually the first thing I work on, which is probably not what they come in to see me for, is to say, we gotta get you, Mm You know, I gotta see you, I mean, are you only eating twice a week? If you're eating two times a day or three times a day, which may be shocking for the listeners, from a naturopathic point of view, you should have a bowel movement two or three times a day. Mm -hmm. But that's also training, because if you ignore the signals to go to the toilet because you're so busy, over time the body's gonna say, Okay then, guess I'm not going to tell you that you need to go
0: yeah i also um also'm a big believer in that, and I've seen some data around how and my initial question was about the uh, pain sensitivity between women and men and i've seen some data where they say that men can actually ignore their pain for a longer period of time just because of uh, just because of the biological factors the hippocampal volume the left amygdala the size of the prefrontal cortex Mm. is different and that enables them to suffer for a very long time as well but women are normally you know they feel it much rather they also have other pain sensations you mentioned a very good point female hormones menstrual cycles all of these things start taxing the nervous system yeah and over a period of time when there are so many hits on the mm. nervous system you start feeling things faster yeah now we spoke about so many things let's get into more of like the nitty-gritty the the, the you know the tax or the strategies or you already gave a few of them. Um, But yeah, let's, let's look at uh, those. So you mentioned magnesium. Do you have any, uh, is your, do you have any favorite kind of magnesium? Because there are like eight forms of magnesium. Yeah, there are
1: quite a few that, you know, depending on which salt or which chelate they're attached to. So I typically, when we're talking about what we're talking about today, I would say magnesium glycinate, glycinate is, is my favorite. And it's also the most absorbable type yeah. of magnesium. But then it also does the other things, which is the, besides being an antispasmodic or anti-pain, it also helps with just the relaxation. It also helps with um, sleep sleep for sure yeah so taking it before bedtime is is always nice um but what i'm saying is so so correct the deficiencies if there are deficiencies and you've never been tested for these things that's a really simple way before you reach for all these painkillers to say what could be happening that i'm deficient in that needs to be addressed what's a
0: gold standard test for checking deficiencies like if i come up to you today and i say i'm having so much of pain i can't figure it out or maybe i'm not coming to you yet But I'm sitting at my house, listening to the podcast and saying, Dr. Faryal and CJ spoke about all of these things. I want to test something out. What's the best way to do it? Like, should they look at their...
1: Well, so if you haven't had a comprehensive blood test done, I would recommend that one should first look at that. And there are some inflammatory markers that you can test for in blood. Mm -hmm. Um, So I always test CRP, C-reactive protein, because this is an inflammatory marker. And in some people, it's really, really high. And it goes high even before they have Mm. an actual problem, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, and then there's others that you can test for, like certainly iron and ferritin and all these yeah. things you can test for in blood. But then I use some functional tests. I use quite a few functional tests. And there's one called the organic acids test, mm-hmm. which you may be familiar with, which I like that because, A, it's nobody's poking you to get blood out of you. It's a urine collection, so people find that easy to do. And it really looks at some of the nutrient deficiencies from these sort of byproducts that come out of the urine. Mm -hmm. And it also looks at toxicities and it gives us some idea on mitochondrial health. It gives us a little bit of um, info on gut health. So it's kind of a nice Mm -hmm. way to sort of get a a sense overall. And then we can do other more deeper things if needed. You know what I mean? But um, magnesium, unfortunately, is not best tested in blood. Like you'd need to do red blood cell magnesium, which is expensive. Or um, or hair, you could do hair too, your yeah, yeah. tissue analysis for sure. Um, so that's one strategy. Then the other is food nutrition, mm-hmm. huge, because if you're, as I said before, if we are living in a culture where you're ordering out all the time mm-hmm. or you're eating out all the time, you know, uh, you need to maybe stop and say, well, how often am I making my own food and know what is going into that food mm-hmm. could be as simple as just getting an oil change. Yeah. Because we are eating and cooking with oils that are hugely inflammatory. Yeah. So, what oil are you using? If you're using things like sunflower oil, if you're using, you know, canola oil, or I'm sure mm. you can mention a few others that are very inflammatory. This is I not a good. I remember them because I was going to say either. That's why I'm like I'm blanking out a bit here. But um, like
0: grapeseed oil. There.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, the worst was where I still had people who are using things like margarine. margarine. I mean, it's absolutely the worst thing that that one can do. So if you are one of those people, get rid of it. And we want what are anti-inflammatory oils. So, you know, your grass-fed, even butter, ghee, extra virgin olive oil, coconut oil, all of these things would be Mm -hmm. much better to use. Um, And eating healthy fats critical right mm-hmm. so there's obviously been this you know vilification of fats mm-hmm. um over the last decades in the 80s and and such and so now we're yeah, starting Ansel to see Pease
0: didn't do a good job no <laughs> no
1: but he did it for an agenda right yeah. so now that it's been exposed and we understand we know that eating healthy fats is so important for bringing down is french fries healthy fat um it's the best healthy fats you can have uh-huh. not <laughs> Being what, sarcastic. About,
0: what, what about if I eat, if I do a sweet potato French fries or like, what is it called? Yeah. Sweet potato fries. Yeah.
1: It's, that's a tough one because look, that's what we do, right? We kind of substitute a little bit of something and yeah. say, yeah, it's healthy, but it's still deep fried. Now what oil was used? Mm-hmm. That would be the question. If you can air fry it or if you can, you know, I don't know, roast it, bake it, that would be better. Mm-hmm. So you got to look at both sides, right? It's like I when I have patients who come in and say to me, yes, I do drink soft drinks, but Dr. Farrell, I only do Diet Coke or Coke Zero. And it's like, Uh-oh. just do the real thing. Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this point, what do you think is making that thing tastes sweet like there's no value for your body in that right Um, so I
0: think one of the things that are important is the neurotoxicity element of all of these artificial sweeteners right Um, there is um, also you know like you mentioned if you're if you have to drink something just drink the sugar because you will (laughs) not have an insulin rise at that moment but over a period of time you're detraining your insulin and that can, you know, result on other factors, whether it's increasing blood sugar over a long mm-hmm. period of time, or you know, increasing hemoglobin A1C levels over a period of time. Um, and also, like all right, because we're on the topic of the oils, I think one, and in my personal opinion, I think one of the worst things that we can do to for our health is consuming seed oils. Because if someone would have told me, CJ, here's a chocolate or an ice cream and here's like french fries and that's why i brought the french fries example i would anytime like even take raw sugar and eat it just because i know that the there is going to be a little bit of inflammation but the blood sugar response can be controlled by myself so if i take that ice cream or sugar well ice cream doesn't have so much of blood sugar anyway but because it's balanced with a lot of fat mm. but if i take something sweet I can drop down and do like 20 push-ups or I can go for a walk and I can stabilize gotcha. that blood sugar. I can take things like dihydroperbary mm, or like, mm. you know, things like um, cinnamon mm. and I can neutralize that. But the fact is that if I eat that French fries, like I would I'd rather yeah. prefer smoking because the smoking, the inflammation <laughs> after smoking will stay in your body till like three or four days. But when your cells absorb your or your cell membranes rather absorb this, seed oils which are very high in linoleic acid Mm -hmm. which i think is causing all the problems in the world Uh, it increases oxlamps it it just does so many things but that oil becomes a part of your cell cell membranes, membranes right and changes your cell membrane integrity so if people who are listening that means that it becomes a part of what what will drive into your cells and what your cells will be made of right and that wouldn't shift till the next year and a half so you would have low-grade inflammation mm-hmm. constantly coming in yeah. from using this seed oils, right. or even you know uh, things cooked. You brought up a very very good point that do you really know what kind of like food are they using for your takeouts? Mm-hmm. Because if you know you're having let's say chicken or some other animal or something which is. Uh, graze on like conventional you know either is factory farmed or having a lot of crops with linoleic acid or lectins or phytase or phytic acids, all of these anti-nutrient properties Mm -hmm. of a plant chances are you're not going to be that healthy because you know we know from the fact that most of you know people complain a lot about um, kidney stones and 80% 80% of kidney stones are actually calcium oxalate stones Correct. and this oxalic acid and yeah. lectins and all of these things which so are a big role yeah and it's crazy it increases inflammation and people still think that oh wow that's I'm having a spinach so it might be healthy yeah. but you know,
1: yeah, and this is why, you know, it's, it's got to be individualized. And I just want to touch on, um, you know, when you were speaking about the oils and, and these kind of things, another thing with ordering out and, and eating food is what drives me uh, kind of insane, especially when we're talking about living in a city where you would think that there'd be a bit more knowledge about these things is receiving my hot food in a plastic container It yeah. is the worst Because that plastic, as you know, or in a foil, is leaching out those chemicals into the food, first of all. Worse than that is still seeing people warming up food in plastic containers in microwaves. Which I thought microwaves were like highly outdated by now, but apparently not. Um, I haven't had a microwave. I mean, you know, of course, we had it it when I was growing up. We didn't know better. Mm -hmm. But I personally, my husband and I have not had a microwave in our home I mean, I can easily say 10 years, if not longer. Yeah.
0: So why shouldn't, so someone who's listening, there is a very big chance that they might be using microwave. So let's like talk about that. Why, uh, in, in a short way, like why shouldn't people use the microwave? What's, uh, what's so, the bad part? Because I can switch on like 30 yeah. seconds and... Uh, surprisingly enough, I'm a biohacker. I don't reuse microwave, but my entire family does. Yeah. I cannot get a hold get of that. them to so change. Maybe... Yeah, yeah, it's
1: the same. It's the same with mine. um Look, I think, CJ, you probably have a better answer to that. What I can say, just to make it easy, is that the low level radiation that's coming from these waves, first of all, is so bad because what it does is it kills all the nutrients mm-hmm. in the food. So you could have the most beautiful, what you think is. Highly nutrient-dense, you know, rainbow colors of vegetables and all this lovely stuff. Yeah. You put in the microwave and you just killed all the good stuff and you're eating now dead food. Yeah. That's number one. Um, and then if you to that, you add the insult of the plastic, then I mean, that's even worse, right? I don't know if you have anything to share um, on that. No,
0: I, would, I couldn't explain it uh, more beautifully. It's, it's just that, guys... It kills the food, kills the nutrients. There's non-ionizing radiation that goes in and it changes the structure of the molecules in the food itself. Now, when you take or you consume that food, a part of that, uh, not radiation, but that altered substance becomes a part of you, which means now you have DNA mutations, Mm. which can lead on to things that we're not aware of yet, but can be damaging in the future. So the easy thing would be, you know, it takes five or ten more minutes, but just switch on the pan, put some ghee or grab Yeah, some it's so quick, actually.
1: Yeah. It's really quick. So... Uh, another thing that I wanted to touch on, which you mentioned, which is great, is that let's say I know I'm going to have a naughty meal mm-hmm. because sometimes you can't control that, yeah. you know, especially with my travels. You know, if, if I am stuck at an airport for a couple hours, it's not always practical for me to bring my own food. I can't warm it up easily. I can't do things or it may not stay fresh and I have to buy stuff or whatever. Um, I will take the berberine ahead of mm-hmm. time or I will take some liver support ahead of time to start working on that metabolism, you yeah. know? And then as you said, movement is huge. And that's why it's great if you can get into the practice of walking like an hour after you've had your dinner or whatever, you know, that's that's a really good um, way to do things. But from a food point of view, again, removing inflammatory foods. So for me, the top inflammatory foods would be literally anything that's coming from a packaged food that you just don't know how it was made, or you look at the ingredient list, you can't pronounce it. Yeah. Um, that means it's full of chemicals um, or fast foods of course which Mm -hmm. is rife in our society you know Mm -hmm. it's because cash and convenience is king like you just pay for something quickly and it's at your doorstep you know Mm -hmm. what i mean um and then adding things so it's great to talk about what to remove Mm -hmm. right because dairy is a big one coming from a cow especially if we don't know how those cows were raised and you and i spoke a little bit about that earlier were they happy cows or were they stressed cows? Because there are many animals on this planet, which is such a sad thing to say, who are being factory raised where their hooves have never touched the grass.
0: It's very unfortunate, but that's... Um, so uh, for people who are listening, just because you're buying meat or like uh, milk and then the, the cow poster model, the cow is on a nice, fresh area of grass... Doesn't mean that all the cow's milk that you're drinking is coming from there. Most of the times, the the cow never is able to experience like Dr. Perel said, sunlight, and yeah. that changes a lot of mm-hmm. you know. There are stress hormones building up, cortisol. There's so many different things. Right, hundred
1: uh, percent. And I mean, even along with the stress hormones, you know, because that of exacerbates any inflammatory processes then you have the additional um, insults of them being injected with antibiotics Mm -hmm. and hormones to fatten them up faster or to get them you know it's it's for obviously making more profits as quickly as possible but what i want to alert people to is the fact that we are the only species that's drinking the milk of another species right the whole point of cow's milk is to get the baby cow the calf to grow faster, really fast, really fast, right? So it's got all these growth factors and all these things in there. Um, But in humans that were not meant to consume it as adults. You know what I mean? So that's just a little food for thought because if you really feel that you want to have some kind of milk in your in your cooking or your baking, there's so many alternatives yeah. that are probably better. But uh, I just want to alert people to that because we've been also brainstormed. I'm sure you remember as when you were younger. All the commercials, all the commercials yeah. telling us how important milk was for yeah. our bones yeah. and for our growth. And it's a lie. Mm-hmm. There's more calcium in a cup of broccoli mm-hmm. than there is in a cup of milk. Yeah right? So we need to start, I think what is important is people, which I, I'm starting to see happening, I must say, is that people need to start questioning more. They need to start really saying, well, does this make sense? Or what is happening here? You know, what is, the, what is behind the scenes with this? And it's not just cows, it's all kinds of livestock, chickens. I mean, how many times are we having, you know, chicken farming crowded? My sister in Canada and her husband own and operate outside of their professional jobs, the first halal and organic chicken farm in Mm -hmm. that region and I was um often asked you know from from them what do you think is the best way for us to raise these chickens so that they're happy and healthy and they're all free-range pasture raised completely their diet is completely natural you know she even gives them probiotics and garlic and all these cool things you know what I mean so um Yeah, the chickens, they've been trying to grow grapes. Shout
0: out to your sister. Yeah,
1: Yeah. shout out to my sister. And they've been growing grapes, for example, trying to grow grapes. And these chickens keep eating the grapes, (laughs) which is good for them. So it's fine. But my point is know where your produce is coming from, right? That's important. Um, And then add all these beautiful vegetables that are highly anti-inflammatory, all the different rainbow colors. It's hard to say because, you know... um, for me, I think the greens in general, all the greens are important. The brassica family, yeah. very, very important. So your so cauliflower, broccoli, cauliflower yeah, yeah, cabbage, and they have so many other medicinal mm-hmm. properties. You know, they fight against cancer. They actually reduce blood sugar, mm-hmm. um, and they sensitize your insulin.
0: Keep you full for a long time. Keep it's you full, of, yeah, fiber. high
1: fiber. So I prefer people that are eating more veggies than fruits. I'm also a big fan of mushrooms, mm-hmm. all the different mushrooms, and I actually use medicinal mushrooms in my practice as part of the protocol for treating some of these chronic disorders and mm-hmm. cancers and so on. Um, is so, there yeah. Any
0: med- oh, sorry, sorry to cut you there. No? But like, is there any med- uh, medicinal mushroom for pain specifically?
1: There are quite a few. So I would say lion's mane is probably mane. one of my okay. favorite. But then, you know, you've got the reishi. Reishi is like the yeah. king or queen of yeah. mushrooms. Um, shaga is another one. Yeah. Very good. So I think they all have... There's so many different ones. There's turkey tail. Yeah. There's maitake and shiitake. Yeah. So, you know, cordyceps. mix it up. Yeah, cordyceps, of course. Mix it up. Um, but then if we're talking anti-inflammatory which yeah. then eventually means anti-pain spices mm-hmm. you know some of these herbs are really powerful like ginger for example is one of my favorite things to use yeah. and i try to use it we even put it in our smoothies
0: oh cool uh, yeah
1: we mix it into like anything How does that taste? You'll taste a little bit of the ginger, but yeah. you know, I think it depends on who you are. And if you like a little bit of that kick, yeah. um, it, it's nice. Like going back to the point about the migraines that I used to have, I would actually mix a tablespoon of raw apple cider vinegar with a, with a teaspoon or a half of cayenne pepper mm-hmm. and some ginger and boil it and drink that Mm -hmm. and all of those things shut down the pain perception reception and also the inflammation you know so with cayenne the really cool thing about it is is there's something called substance p yeah that is what gets activated Mm -hmm. that causes you to feel the pain Mm -hmm. and the cayenne actually blocks that substance P. So you may have even noticed you can get like um, topical, you know, analgesic type creams and gels and stuff that contain the cayenne in them. Capsaicin. Yeah
0: the capsaicin, which is like the bioactive form. Mm-hmm. Of that. And then my most
1: favorite is turmeric, of course. Turmeric. And and luckily coming from, you know, um, the culture, of the South Asian culture, that's my ethnicity, mm-hmm. um, where it's a big part of our culinary heritage, of course. But it's got some beautiful um medicinal qualities mm-hmm. to it and so turmeric is amazing as an anti-inflammatory antioxidant it's great for the liver mm-hmm. you know um and it, we we are lucky in that we can you know get this turmeric also in higher concentrations in your capsules but yes having yeah. said that yeah. <coughs> i think you know where i'm going with this we mm-hmm. kind of need to ensure that you know the absorption is where the problem is mm-hmm. bioavailability unfortunately with turmeric is problematic dope. yeah so to kind of counter that if you can mix it with a fat mm-hmm. or with black pepper mm-hmm. which black pepper alone is also highly anti-inflammatory yes um then that will increase the absorption and we have now technologies that are called liposomal technologies which basically mixes not na- yeah the nanoparticles in a, in a lipid or a fat to increase the absorption so those are good things but you know going back even to the menstrual pain you know i'm always telling women ginger is amazing for that there are so many studies now coming out of iran about saffron yes reducing saffron is a big one. PMS symptoms and pain so if you can get saffron um and you can even mix all these beautiful things into like the ayurvedic you know golden milk right which is Uh, your
0: golden milk latte yeah yeah well okay
1: so you know but if you make the traditional you use like coconut milk or whatever milk uh plant-based milk and you don't get it from starbucks (laughs) (laughs) yeah no um try and make it yourself you know there's so many recipes and you can incorporate um, your cinnamon and your cardamom and yeah. the ginger and saffron, saffron you know, um, nutmeg, and and it's so nice because if you take it before bed, it's so like comforting and cozy and soothing yeah. and if helps you to sleep. If you add to, rishi to it, it's mm. a game changer. Okay.
0: Yeah, if you add ratio to it, it's a game changer because of again the relaxing component, the parasympathetic activation. It's amazing.
1: Good, good tip. I'll have yeah. to look at that. Absolutely. I've never thought of adding that to, to the golden milk. I'll have to do that. So those are those are some tips. And then, you know, just ensuring you're drinking enough water. I mean, as simple as drinking enough water to make but sure... But is all
0: water created equal to... Those. Well, no. Okay. No. So is there a specific kind of water that you like or like to... You know what, CJ?
1: I get asked that question all the time. And every time I'm asked, I have a different answer. Yeah. It's difficult because I kind of feel like <clears throat> if you can get water that is... Um, Um, like almost like a spring water that's got some of your minerals in it and your your you know from the mountains and stuff that for me is the best Mm -hmm. okay but then we have all these trends with like alkalinized water and you know all these different things and I just feel like if it's devoid of minerals Mm -hmm. then I don't know I almost feel like it's dead water right do you have any favorites
0: yes I do um First thing is, you know, this whole theory of living water versus dead water is a very big thing. And yes, your water can be living when it touches all the rock surfaces. You can also recharge your water. And this is, this might be a good tip. Hmm. Um, You can also recharge the water by passing near infrared light and red light through it. Amazing. The light spectrums from the sun. Oh, that's amazing. Or you can put like it in in a glass jar and put it on the ground. And when it is next to the Earth's vibrational ah. frequency or like the Schumann resonance, as we call it. Right. It also gets some of its living properties back. You super. can put it outside or, you know, have your okay. near-inferred light. I uh, didn't know that. But
1: so we've got the right red light therapy device at the clinic where I am. So yes. are you saying if I put my bottle of water under that thing? Yes,
0: in a glass... Uh, bottle. In yeah, a yeah, glass, glass bottle. bottle, yeah, glass bottle. Does is, it have to be open or closed? It or? doesn't matter. The light particles cool. will penetrate through it. Oh my goodness. And also... The second thing I think one of the biggest things that people are missing in their life right now is minerals. Mm. And now there, you know, there is not just magnesium is one. You know, we're talking about calcium, but there are seventeen different forms of yeah, zinc,
1: iodine, all of these. All of these
0: things help with so many things. Like there's hydration part of it. Then there's the immune system part of it. You know, it helps in so many things. Mm. I would also go to the extent of not, and we know from the fact that stress or you know a lot of alcohol or caffeine or less sleeping less that takes out minerals from your body so the natural amount of minerals from like a mineral source sometimes aren't enough when you're not leading a natural life so what i like to do is that i look at trace minerals or ionic minerals and i add minerals every day mm. to the water mm. i drink and you don't have to go out of your way to do it if you can find like a good quality sea salt or like a you yeah. know celtic salt or right. something which is not polluted the himalayan salt is polluted a lot uh, in the salt mines but um, if you can find something else which is a little bit natural just a pinch of it with your water uh, you know adding some uh, lemon to it that also increases its alkalinity yes natural alkalinity yes but what is my like uh, to answer your question the my favorite type or version of water is uh, water enriched with molecular hydrogen
1: Ah, yes. Okay. I've heard of that. Correct.
0: So molecular hydrogen is the world's most strongest antioxidant, the lightest element on the periodic table and the lightest element in the universe. And because of that, it's able to penetrate cell membranes. It's Mm. called a selective antioxidant. So it just doesn't work like vitamin C or Mm -hmm. glutathione, which is also very powerful. And this way, it only targets the most harmful amount of free radicals and things where you get from Wi-Fi, like peroxynitrates, uh, which aren't able to neutralize, especially because they cross the blood-brain barrier right. over a period of time. If you're around Wi-Fi and stuff, you're go- you're going to feel sick in your brain. You won't be able to yeah. function. You get yeah. a brain fog, and the only molecule that can kind of like neutralize it is molecular okay. hydrogen. Okay,
1: interesting. So you can. And Enrich. does it make the taste, the water no, it different? So
0: molecular hydrogen is um, colorless, odorless. Um, it doesn't taste different. If you're very sensitive, you might feel the water becomes a little bit light. And I have a device later and I'll show it to you. Uh, so I inhale molecular hydrogen. Okay. Um, that's one way to do it, which they're doing in Korea and in mm. Japan. And that's a standard dementia stage two cancer treatments in that part of the world. Fascinating. So you come into the hospital, that's the first thing they put you on. Super. And there, you can put, you can charge your normal water with it as well. So, molecular hydrogen has a lot of, lot of benefits. One, one big part of it is that it reduces these inflammatory cytokines right. and the inflammatory response, especially looking at COX two mm-hmm. and uh, which is a technical word of inflammation yeah. and uh, IL six. Right. So these, I think, are the most damaging ones. Right. And uh, if you can neutralize them in a way or reduce them it's good so my for my sure. favorite one is molecular. well I would love
1: to know you know how to incorporate that more I love the tip about the red light therapy or the infrared light and you know even just putting it on the earth yeah. surface that's great so I'll certainly be doing that um speaking of hydrogen I just wanted to touch on that also ozone yeah. you know um therapies have been great in terms mm-hmm. of helping people with all kinds of inflammatory conditions hyperbaric oxygen these mm-hmm. kinds of things I had a ten
0: ozone once. Uh-huh. And yeah, it was quite an experience. Yeah.
1: Um, speaking of these infrared and different kinds of light, you know, wavelengths of, of light, I mean, we, we are now seeing people putting through the IV yeah. different wavelengths of light to um, stimulate different kinds of reactions in the body. So it's all, you know, the technology is just growing. And if you can have access to these things, wonderful Mm -hmm. but we want to encourage people I think or empower them to go back to sort of the basics and the simplicities yeah of what it is to just be part of nature use nature um, and leverage it for your own health and your own well-being um, in simple ways you know what I mean and that's when we say things like stress management you can't escape from stress you can't say well just don't be stressed like that's part of life Mm -hmm. but you've got to find ways to decompress in a way that makes you feel calm and joyful at the same
0: time. What's your favorite stress reduction strategy? Dancing. Dancing. Cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard that. I mean before. I love music and I love yeah. to
1: dance and so it does both because it makes me feel rejuvenated and calm yeah. and at the same time it makes me happy. So yeah. it's you know, I like that. But of course there's so many. I mean I, I a lot of people don't know this about me, but I love to paint. Interesting. Um, that's very relaxing for me. I also enjoy, I have two bunnies at home. So I love just hanging out with them. And to be honest with you, they've taught me to really be present in the moment because I can just watch them for hours because they're so cute and so cheeky, you oh, know, but spending time with loved ones, I'm going for walks, you know, all those things. I just love being in nature. So usually just being in nature I automatically feel rejuvenated because it acts as a buffer, right? Against stress. Um, But always wanting to stay in those higher vibrations, I think is good. And that's another reason why nutrition is important because we do have low vibration foods that if we keep eating, they're going to, like you said, make us feel heavier physically, but also mentally and emotionally. And I think having some kind of spiritual practice Mm -hmm. is also great, whatever that is for you, you know. Um, So yeah, I think we've touched on quite a few things. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot more Yeah, we can keep
0: going on and on, (laughs) but I think I have to invite you for a part two where we can look at a different problem and like try to solve it. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much. You know, we've been talking and uh, like you guys have noticed, we could go on and on, but we respect your time. So we'll end it here. But my last question to you is, if you had a time machine, and if you could go back in time and if you could give your younger self a piece of advice, what would that be?
1: That is such a good question, you know, because I have made mistakes in life, but I've come to realize that those mistakes needed to happen to shape me into the person that I am. So I wouldn't necessarily say, don't do this and don't do this. Sometimes you have to go through the experience, mm-hmm. come out the other side, and it actually Hopefully, you're better for it, right? Mm -hmm. What would I say to my younger self? I would say to my younger self, you know, take the risks Mm -hmm. and um, believe in yourself more. Mm -hmm. And as long as you believe in yourself and you surround yourself with the people around you who also believe in you and who are also striving for the better, then you'll, you'll go in that path. You'll be successful. That's what I would say, because I think there's always, as you're younger, I don't know about you, but you know, the confidence level isn't so high. And uh, as you get older, hopefully it happens. And so there's many things where I think, I wish I'd done that sooner. I wish I started that sooner. You know?
0: Yeah. I think also when you're younger or even sometimes when you're older, you have this whole area, which is the unknown and our, ability or not the having the ability to step into the unknown whether it's unfamiliar ground unfamiliar country talking to someone who you don't know or asking for help that sort of like changes as you grow up and the more I always tell people the more you could do like not just the difficult thing but step into the unknown Mm -hmm. and embrace these Mm -hmm. opportunities or like challenges or whatever life throws at you from the unknown always makes you a makes you go ahead in life because at the end of it you're sort of you're either you're always no matter what you do you always have a choice to step back into safety or step forward into growth and growth most of the times yes it's it's uncomfortable yes in the beginning and then you know you orient yourself in space and time and you ask yourself like you know when you were younger and it's something that seemed very difficult five years later would that really be difficult Mm. and you know so you look at look that's why they it. say you
1: know hindsight like 2020 is is you know you're always able to look at things more clearly when you look back. but I think what you're saying is so profound um, because when you're younger, the other issue with with not knowing in terms of that you know unknown and mm-hmm. the, the lack of confidence and such is that we're also at least for me I can say constantly comparing ourselves mm-hmm. to our peers
0: which needs to stop
1: which needs to stop. And I think so when I was growing up we didn't have all these social media things yeah. thank. God because yeah. I don't know what what it would have been like for me and I really feel for like my nephews and nieces and the younger generation who have this all the time as part of their reality yeah. um, and we know already all of the yeah. things that are stemming from there but I think that um, that's the other thing is to say you know each person has their own path and you will shine when it's your time to shine. Mm-hmm.
0: So no Russian there. Mm. (laughs) Okay, Dr. Fariel, thank you so much for joining me on this show and sharing your knowledge, your wisdom, your experiences, and really helping us to understand that we shouldn't have that French fry. (laughs) But uh, if people want to know more about you, they want to get in touch, you know, are you, do you have a website? Do you, people just... Yeah, so my my
1: website for people is basically www.dr, for Dr. Luhar, L-U-H-A-R, Naturo, N-A-T-U-R-O dot com. So it's Dr. Luhar Naturo, all one word, dot com. Instagram, you can just find me under Dr. underscore Ferial underscore Luhar. I think those are probably the two best ways to get in touch because through there you can reach me by phone, by WhatsApp, by Gmail. And then I practice, I split my practice between Dubai and South Africa. Mm-hmm. So there's two different places that I work. So depending on where you are, and I also do virtual consultations.
0: Oh, that makes it easy. So we'll put all of those in the show notes. Thank you once again. Thank, thank you. Thank you it's honestly been here. my
1: pleasure, and you're so knowledgeable, and you have so much information. Also, that I learned a lot today, and it was really fun. Thank
0: you. Oh, I'm grateful that we crossed paths, and this is CJ, your host, signing out from the Shift with CJ podcast. Everyone, have a great day ahead of you. Take care, everyone. Your time and presence with us through this podcast is highly appreciated. If you want to learn more, then head over to our website, www.shiftwithcj.com.